Every day, we rely on food, fuel, and fiber. But how much do you know about these industries we depend on? In this podcast, we dive deep into the production and processes of these everyday essentials. This is Field Points, an original podcast production from Siri Solutions. This is Morgan Seiger, and you're listening to the Field Points Podcast. I want to welcome you back to another episode where we talk about the frequently asked questions in our feed business at Series Solutions. We're going to dive right into some questions around how does the White Cloud feed mill compare in price to other competitors? What is storage like? How long does it take to load trucks? Can we grain bank our corn and more. Throughout this conversation, I'm joined by my co-host, Callie Curley. Callie does a great job pulling out even more information, having a bit of a dairy background herself. Our guests today are Maddie Nielsen, the dairy nutritionist at Siri Solutions, and Henry Hugen, who's the manager of the White Cloud Feed Mill. Maddie is going to kick us off on part two of our conversation around the feed business by answering the question, how does Siri Solutions compare to its competitors when we are considering price? I think I hear that most on farm just because feed prices right now are very volatile. As far as dairy goes, milk prices continue to kind of dwindle. And so customers are looking at how much am I spending on my feed and I can't afford to spend more than what I'm making right now. So for me, my most honest answer on the spot at a farm is usually we're really competitive on price. Most of the time when we get an opportunity to bid a mix, let's say through some of the independent nutritionists we work with, we usually come in really close to first, if not second on our pricing. I think that Kurt Berkstead, who does a lot of our purchasing for us, does a really good job at buying quality product for the best price possible. So we're not sacrificing quality to get customers a good deal. That's probably the best way to answer it without getting down into the nitty gritty and and trying to get somebody here that actually does all of our pricing for us. And maybe Henry has more to add to that, but I get that on farm a lot, especially cold calling. Well, how do you compare to you know, where I'm already buying feed. And most of the time, that is my answer is just that we're very competitive on price and generally come in the cheapest, if not second. Yeah, I would add, Maddie, you touched on there at Kurt Bergstead, our commodities manager, we do the shopping for the dairymen right? So if there is a mix that has 10 different things in it, Kurt is shopping those commodities with at least two to sometimes four different perspective vendors that understand our quality standard and that we're shopping this commodity for best priced and quality for our customers. So I feel like Series does that as a cooperative. We take care of that for our customers. We are continuously shopping for the best quality purchase. I think as far as pricing, that helps us to stay on on the upper edge of being competitive while reassuring quality. Maddie mentioned that some dairies choose to work with an independent nutritionist. I asked her how Siri Solutions works alongside those independent nutritionists and if she is the only dairy nutritionist that works for Siri Solutions. Yeah, so I'm currently the only nutritionist that's employed by Series. So we do work with quite an array of independent nutritionists. That's kind of been something that is growing in the dairy industry right now. People want independent nutritionists that's not labeled by the 
people that are making the feed, right? So they want somebody that they feel is non-biased in some cases. So we do work with an array of independent nutritionists that will go to farms on their own. They're employed, either self-employed or employed by an independent company, and, and they will just do dairy nutrition work. They will formulate the mixes. They will formulate the rations, but they will allow us to bid those mixes and put a price on them and what they would cost to come from us. And then we send that back to the nutritionist and they relay that back to the farm. And Henry works probably closer with those people than I do. So he can elaborate on that more as well, I'm sure. Yeah. So we've realized with those that we have to maintain the relationship with those dairies as well, right? With the independent consultant not being on staff with us, we, once one of those independent nutrition-led dairies has become a customer of ours, we got to help them remember who Ceres is and why we're there for them and what's available to them if they ever need help with something like uh, maybe contracting some feed or contracting an ingredient, those types of things. It's still an intimate relationship with those customers. It's just a little bit different in that we don't have someone directly related to the sale with them. Those relationships usually end up being maintained from the service side of things, the turnaround on ordering, the accuracy of delivery, and those types of things are what set us apart and help us. It's like the glue that sticks us to those customers. Like Maddie said, those truck drivers, they get it done and everybody loves them. Another one of those frequently asked questions was how big of a territory you cover. So you're both based in the White Cloud area, but we serve a much larger portion of the state. Could you talk about that a little bit? My home base, I guess, would be White Cloud. I live about 45 minutes from White Cloud and our territory stems, I guess, we'll start from Ludington, which is all the way from the Lakeshore, Lake Michigan, Lakeshore, all the way over to Mount Pleasant, which is almost the halfway point if you cut the mitten in half. And then if you went as far south as like Kalamazoo, I think, Henry. Hastings, Kalamazoo. Hastings. Yeah. And yep. then we're as far north as the Mackinac Bridge, pretty much, especially yep. with uh, having the Falmouth Co-op merger a few years ago. And being able to reach out into the Falmouth and McBain area and get to know those customers up there and their needs and moving feed to the north and east and still being able to serve those feed customers needs from White Cloud instead of Falmouth was something that Cora Dick and I have worked really hard on and uh, continue to work hard on developing those relationships. So if we had to say a radius, it'd be hard to say because we don't go much past 127 to the east and to the south, say Kalamazoo Hastings and to the north and east, we got that covered all the way to the water. (laughs) Can't go much further. We're always looking to grow though, right? So we're always looking to extend that territory. Basically, we really want our drivers to be able to be home at night. That's the biggest thing. We don't have trucks with sleepers on them, but we are always looking to grow. So it's a big territory now, but there's always opportunity for for more, obviously. The other thing we look at as far as going south is that with our co-ventures in Synergy Feeds, 
there's really no reason for us to overlap each other. Brent Tracy and his team there at Synergy do an awesome job as well. I would say we would look for the opportunity to serve the whole state of Michigan and northern Indiana if that was available to us. And that's going to take a lot of time to build those relationships and, and to move into that. The footprint we gave you is our current footprint. And we wouldn't mind going all the way into, you know, over to Lake Huron and covering the whole state. It's just, we're not there yet. With White Cloud only being five years old, we're still learning things about the mill and we're still fine tuning some of the efficiencies. We're getting to know people in a further radius every year, it seems. Wouldn't you agree, Maddie? Yeah, I would totally agree that we step further and further, I think, from the footprint we already have each year. And it's just really a matter of growing those relationships, right? And that takes time. One time I asked somebody, how long does it take before you pick up a new customer? And a lot of times the answer is at least a year. It just takes time to build those relationships and takes time to make sure that we're ready for that step as well. Like Henry said, we're still, you know, White Cloud's only five years old. We're still growing and learning and you know, I think that we definitely have the potential to grow into that larger footprint. It's just going to look a little different as we start to move into that. Things will change at the mill and, and maybe trucks will change and things like that. And positions might change. And yeah, well, I think we have the opportunity to grow into that. Absolutely. It just, it's just a matter of going through those growth pains at that time and making sure we're ready, ready to accomplish that and serve those customers the same way we serve the current customers that we already have. So considering how big the territory is, how much lead time do you need if someone orders feed? So currently, the lead time that is necessary for our larger customers that are getting several loads of feed a day, we ask them for 48 hours. It would be great if we could move our whole customer base to that in the future. But currently, we, with our uh, dairy customers, if we have the order by 5 o'clock, the day before, we're going to deliver it before the next day is over. And I mean that in that there's times where we'll be done delivering feed by four in the afternoon. And if it's a holiday and the orders are there, there's times we're delivering feed until 10 at night or later because the livestock can't go without. We can't just say, well, we're going to get to that tomorrow. And a lot of that is dictated by the commodities we have to make the feed, right? So we look for that lead time. The more lead time we can have, the better is, is what like when Maddie was, when Maddie first came on, she said, well, how, how would you like to do this? If we could have 48 hours or more, that's great. Because that gives Kurt Bergstead the time to be sure that we've got those orders, those work orders made. We can see what the potential usage is so that we don't run out of distillers or we don't run out of bean meal and we can stay efficient at White Cloud. And the other thing is, is so that we can understand, hey, this driver is off on Wednesday and we've got a lot of feed to deliver. And we know that on Monday that way so that there's times someone from Nate Sparks's team in agronomy will come up and help us haul feed if they're available. Or there's times I even get in a truck and haul feed. But to know that on Monday instead of Wednesday, the day of, is it just it takes that lead time and communication so that 
we can keep things flowing and keep things moving there at the mill. So I'd say a minimum of 24 hours is what we aim for. And the larger customers is 48 hours if possible. Just the sheer quantity of what you're working with, Henry, that is amazing to hear from the outside in. I mean, I just have so much respect for what everybody on your team has to do to make that happen. You're not just running feed and grain business. You're also running a logistics business. And as part of all of that, could you tell us, so if you need 24 to 48 hours, how fast are you actually making this feed? It depends on the type of feed. A very intricate mix, like a dairy lactation mineral, that is a very small inclusion could have as many as 20 ingredients in it, maybe even 25 ingredients that are very, very small inclusions and a lot of hand adds. So if you said, we're gonna make a 28 ton load of lactation dairy mineral, that would probably take us close to 50 minutes, I would say. But then you look at things like hog feed, that doesn't have to be pelleted. So we're going to mix corn, soybean meal, distillers, the salt and minerals, and vitamins together. And we're going to kick those through the mixer, add a little fat, and send them out to the bin to be loaded. Those we can crank through at the pace of like 34 ton in about 30 minutes. So, but those ingredients are a lot lighter bulk density so they move through the system better and easier Um, it really it depends on on the type of feed the other thing would be is like if we need to run it through the mixing system and then we pelletize it after there's added manufacturing time into that too so seth pell maddie and i kind of call him a wizard sometimes because he is always looking at the sequencing right so he's looking at batches that are gonna stay mashed feed and they're gonna go to the loadout uh bin and be loaded that way and then also to keep the pellet mill busy our cpm pellet mill he's got to keep batching enough feed up to that pellet mill because there's times where we'll get an order from a guy that they want six ton of pellets for their robots that milk their cows they want ground corn they want distillers and three ton of calf pellets for their calves so seth's got to try to dig in and put all that together in and amongst everything else that's happening and have that ready to be sent out all as one so he's kind of like running a kitchen in there but we don't have any short order cooks. We need uh, we, we need more like 24 hours for your order so we can think that through. I hope that answered your question. In addition to how long does it take to make the feed, we asked Henry, how long does it take to load the feed out? Depending on the type of feed as well and how it wants to flow through a bin, like a 40 ton load of turkey pellets, we can load that in about 10 minutes. The truck pulls in, they're scaled in, We load each bin incrementally and scale them out. They take their retained sample. So we have that on record if we need it and they're back on the road. So uh, something that's a a bulkier mix, so lighter light density, like a 34 ton load of uh, hog feed, that might take more like 20 minutes to load just because it flows out of the bin slower, but still 
very little wait time for our trucks. Those guys, they stop in, they use the restroom, they grab a cup of coffee, they do their paperwork, they jump back in their truck and load, and they are gone. So our trucks are up and down the road all day. Next, Henry walks us through what it means to grain bank your corn and how this service is offered to Siri Solutions customers. We do offer grain bank services. The idea with grain bank services is that you grew corn on your farm that you would like to use in a mix or to have delivered back to you as a whole kernel um, to feed to your livestock. So you could bring it in at harvest. You could bring it in out of your own bin and we could grind it into uh, one of your feed mixes and deliver it right back to you. So there are some elevation fees and some storage fees that go along with that. But like we had talked about before, we kind of see our bins as the farmer's bins, right? That they're an extension of their farm. So if their bins are full at home during harvest and they need to grain bank some so that they have livestock feed to get through the year, we try to have that space for them. But the idea with grain bank is it's going to be in a mix or it's going to go back to you for use of your livestock. The storage capacity at White Cloud is about 230,000 bushels up there total. But the crazy part about that, Morgan, is that we in busy weeks will use 12,000 bushels of corn in a week. So we're constantly flipping that inventory and going through upwards of a million bushels a year when the total storage between White Cloud and Fremont is just over 600,000. So we're, we're constantly flipping that inventory. When you were talking about size though, Henry, it made me think what that must mean to dairy farmers, especially in Michigan, to hear someone say, nobody's too small. Um, that's yeah. not something a lot of dairy men are hearing these days in any realm. So it's pretty cool to hear that. Yeah. No matter what so size as, we can serve them. As a kid growing up on that 80 cow dairy that I ran with my siblings and, and my parents, I understand that that's part of our community, right? Those small dairies are part of our community. And I know a lot of large dairies that started out as 80 cow dairies that are now several thousand cow dairies and they're still part of our community. So I feel like as long as we can still serve those customers, cooperative customers, they deserve the same attention and the same follow through as someone with 5,000 cows. And those small dairies, they're the salt of the earth customers that most of the cooperatives were started on. As we wrap up the second part of this conversation with Maddie and Henry today, I wanted to give you an opportunity to reach out to them if you had any additional questions. I think if someone wanted to reach us, the easiest way would be to call the White Cloud Feed Mill and talk to Heath Van Dyke or Seth Powell there and let them know what you're looking for. Let them know what you feel like you need and they'll be able to direct you to the right person. If it's a commodities question, it'll go to Kurt. If it's a, you know, hey, I'm a dairyman and I need some help, Maddie might be that person. If it's any other kind of bounce around questions, I'd probably be the person for that. So calling the feed mill would be great, or you can reach me via my series email or Maddie via her series email. I think to close, we're just, we're passionate about getting up every day, working hard, always doing 
the right thing for our customers. You know, it's not what's best for series. It's what's best for the customer and what do they need? When do they need it? We have great follow through with our team, great attention to detail. That's what I would add. What do you got, Maddie? I agree. I mean, we're a farmer-owned co-op, so we are going to be successful when our producers are successful. We want you guys to be successful. We want producers to be successful. So that's why we put so much pride into doing things right the first time and producing a quality product for producers. So I think that's really the the take home or the big thing about series feed is we want to help you. We're not here to sell product. We're not here to push feed down your throat. We just really want to help you. There are plenty of times where I've been on farm and I don't sell any feed, but I give free advice and that alone is something that makes me feel good when I walk off the farm, just because I know I helped in some way. And being approachable, like Henry said, we're easy to be around. Being approachable and and easy to talk to makes it that much easier, I think, for people to reach out or continue to reach out. So never hesitate. We're willing to field all your questions. And like Henry said earlier, if we don't have the answer, we'll find it for you. We're just a couple kids that work for the co-op, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We work in the feed group. We just come to work and wear a smile and do our job. There's a great story of perseverance, passion, and love of the land behind every farm family operation. And our listeners know that better than most. In June, to celebrate National Dairy Month, we introduced a powerful success story of the family-owned Country Dairy in New Era, Michigan. Their story is one of several that we have been privileged to feature on local farm families and Siri Solutions customers over the last 12 months. I encourage you to go to centeredonyou.coop to watch their video and check out the story of other growers that work alongside the Siri Solutions team. I want to take a moment to thank Henry and Maddie for all that they are doing, not just for the time they spent in the answers they gave us here on the podcast today, but for all they're doing for Siri Solutions and livestock producers in Michigan. I'd also like to thank my co-host, Callie Curley. Here's Callie as she shares some of her thoughts as we wrap up this series. When they said 24 to 48 hours, I was thinking, wow, these people are turning on a dime. Um, I would never expect that it could be done that quickly. And they're talking about that like that's a long lead time. So I feel really good about the fact that our customers are getting such great quality service. One thing that Henry said was that he and Maddie and everyone on our team, they're just kids at the co-op, right? Um, Trying to do their best. They're asking the right questions. But the words that I've heard from others in series describing that team is true professionals. I know you mentioned it in our conversation with them, Morgan, but they are humble and they don't want to speak too highly of themselves, but they have a reputation that precedes them. And it was so cool to hear more about what goes on behind the scenes and the way that they're serving so many farmers and our member owners at such a high level. If you are just turning into Field Points and you found this conversation interesting, I encourage you to go to last week's episode and listen to part one of our conversation with Henry and Maddie. If you are a grower who also raises alfalfa or feeds alfalfa, you might be interested in tuning in to series five of Field Points, where we did a very deep dive into all things alfalfa. Next week, we will be dropping our newest series, which is going to be a 2023 agronomy season update. 
We're going to be covering what we've seen so far, what to be thinking about as we finish out the rest of this growing season. And we will also be getting an update on the IoT Innovation Hub that will be open for visitors in August. The show notes for this episode will be available at series.coop. That's C-E-R-E-S dot C-O-O-P. If you enjoyed this deeper dive, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Your review and feedback will help other listeners like you find our podcast, and we are so thankful for that.